What is good, everyone, and welcome to the We Just Talk Wrestling Podcast. My name is Kyle, and I am here with Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. We have a loaded show for you guys today, but as always, we will break down the weekly shows, going over any stories from all the different promotions, listing our top 10 favorite tag teams of all time, plus the dummy yeah moment of the week. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WJTW19 and give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. Dylan, what caught your eye in wrestling this week? So, Kyle, I've got a couple things. One's going to be a little more lighthearted. One is one that you and I discussed uh, just the other day. Uh, I'm going to knock those out real quick. First one, did you see that Domino's Pizza is considering pulling all ads on future Dynamite episodes mm-hmm. due to the use of a pizza cutter yep. in a match. Uh, fans and, and, I guess, customers all thought that Domino's had something to do with it, <clears throat> considering right after the spot, a commercial for Domino's Pizza aired. And they had to come out publicly and say they were not involved. This is one of the funniest things I've seen in recent history. Outside of, like, the Virgil thing, um, this this made me laugh. But I didn't want to use it as a dummy moment because, I don't know, it felt pretty newsworthy to me. What do you, what do you think about Domino's Pizza being upset about a pizza cutter being used in wrestling? Well, I mean, they did have to defend themselves. And honestly, I don't really care for Domino's Pizza, so they can just do whatever they want. Yeah, they. I mean, they suck anyway, so bummer. And, Kyle, the other thing is a pretty big one. Uh, Bray Wyatt has been officially released by WWE, um, so I'm assuming he has a 90-day compete, uh, no-compete clause like most people do. And, yeah, this is another big blow to the WWE roster, which seems it, – it, it just seems like we talk about this almost every week, that someone big is getting cut by this company, and it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. I yep, mean, and this and this is why next week we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about, but I'll preview that later. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you what do you think? I mean, Bray Wyatt was one of the most missed opportunities by WWE in a very long time, dude. The Fiend gimmick was such a good idea. Whoever made that idea, I think it was the Fiend, but dude, it was so good. Um, they implemented Alexa, and then dude. What does Alexa do now? She's literally that way for nothing. She's literally, she's literally the fiend. Like, Mickey James pointed that out um, like, recently. I mean, it just... It, it makes sense to a point that they were not using him and they didn't have any long-term plans. But this was another guy that just got jobbed out to Goldberg and after mm-hmm. that, he never really caught fire. So, But Kyle, like, this is, this is the issue with this company and this is why, like, you know, kind of... I'll kind of tease it now. Like next week, we're going to talk about how we fix WWE. Like this, this is one of those things. Like how does Bray Wyatt not fit in your long-term plans? He was one of the most over things in the company for years. Well, Dylan, he's not one of their main guys. He's not Roman Reigns. No, he's not Roman Reigns. I I love the guy, but he's not Drew McIntyre and he's not the poor horsewoman. So he didn't fit. It's just, it's just like, Dude, he was he was so over for years. Like he jobbed out to the Undertaker, um, he he jobbed out to Cena, he jobbed out to Goldberg, like you mentioned. Like for for, for whatever reason, this dude was always involved in like great programs. He should have gone over and could never. Like he had a, he he had a great feud several years ago with uh with John Moxley, then known as Dean Ambrose. 
And he lost that feud too. Like the the guy for whatever <clears throat> could just never get behind him fully. And I, I don't understand why. Uh missed opportunity and yep. um we wish Bray the best of luck and wherever he decides to go. But um Still, my news story of the week. Um, <clears throat> so, Major League Wrestling had Battle Riot 3 that recently aired, which is a 40-man battle royal. It's basically the Royal Rumble, but it's 40, and you can also eliminate someone by pinfall or submission. Hmm. And the match was amazing. It had surprise entrants like TJP, Davari, Quang the Ninja, and even the Blue Meanie. <laughs> But it was Alexander Hammerstone that won the match from the number 35 spot to get a world title shot whenever he wants against the champion Jacob Fatu. Match was crazy. Just so much fun. Uh, Please go check it out if you haven't. A little spoiler. The first elimination didn't even come till like entrant number 16. So I like how they got all the guys in the ring at once. And then you know how WWE does a lot of eliminations early. Yeah. I like how they kind of waited on this one. Um, Major League Wrestling is just gaining steam and mm-hmm. mainstream attention right now, as it should. And I really hope they get a good TV deal soon because the product is really gaining steam and really good. Yeah, I mean, you've been you've been talking about Major League Wrestling for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Also, with the appearance of the Blue Meanie, don't let JBL know that the Blue Meanie still exists in the pro wrestling world because he'll bear it. He doesn't need to get his get the shit kicked out of him again for no reason. Dude, JBL's going to show up on Major League Wrestling next week. Just to beat the shit out of Blue Meanie and then walk away. That That's going to be hilarious. But, uh, yeah, MLW, they're gaining steam, like I said. And um, I really hope more people watch it because it's a good product. But we are going to jump into Monday Night Raw. Um, I'm excited. We will start with – oh, my God. We're going to start with Karen Cross versus Keith Lee. Um, mm-hmm. Decent stuff here. Cross kept uh, Lee in the corner, stomping him with kicks to the face. But Lee rallied back with a corner splash into a shoulder tackle. That was kind of cool. Um, I really liked the reversing Sato suplex from Cross. That led to the Cross jacket for the win. But don't why did this happen? So Jeff Hardy, for those that don't know, has – COVID-19 mm-hmm. and I read a report that Jeff Hardy was supposed to beat cross again. Yep. But since he's not there, I mean, dude, cross lost to him last week. So that's what everyone has in their minds. So mm-hmm. you did two things. One cross still looks like a jabroni and two Keith lead is officially buried. Oh, uh, yeah. again, stupid booking from WWE. This does nothing for either of the guys and does not make up for last week. I, I read the same report that, that you read, that he was supposed to lose to Jeff again. Jeff got diagnosed with COVID. Hopefully he comes back soon. Yep. Or when he's, when he's done with quarantine, um, expect him to be back. But the other part of that report was their plan was to have Cross lose every main roster match he had until they pull Scarlett from NXT and she debuts on Raw. It was going to be about seven. Yeah, it was going to be quite a bit. And the whole point was Cross's, like, losing streak or him losing that, like, edge or whatever was because he didn't have Scarlet there and that Stupid. she was going to be the one to unleash him and, and he was going to be the dominant force that we know he is. Stupid. Um, 
not really a giant fan of that. You could have literally had Cross come out of the gates on Raw dominating. Like, one, I'm, I'm, I'm not even a fan that he debuted anyway last week. Um, and this past Monday he was there again. But you could have just had him dominate from day one, and none of this was, was – and you mentioned Keith Lee now officially buried. Like, okay, so they wrote they, – they corrected their wrong from last week of him losing to Jeff Hardy. Right? No. It, they, well, he still lost their, to Jeff Hardy. In, in their minds, they're like, okay, people were upset that he lost to Jeff Hardy. Nothing against Jeff, but Cross should not have lost to Jeff Hardy. So people are upset. Okay, so let's have him win this week. We'll just we'll just act like it didn't happen. But then he beats Keith Lee. It's like, no. Like, we want Lee to succeed, too. Like, I don't know. Like, this company's weird. It's, it's really bad right now is what it is. It, dude, it's so bad right now. And we'll, we'll get to more. Um Dude, next week's episode is going to be like four hours. I mean, dude, why why not be Ali? Why yeah. not have Cross be? I, I don't know. Mansoor, dude, dude yeah. how is Mansoor still on the roster anyway? And Bray Wyatt's not. Yep. Um, in other news, uh, Damian Priest defeated Sheamus in a non-title match, maybe uh, foreshadowing a SummerSlam uh, feud between them and the Raw Tag Team Champs, Omos and AJ, retain their titles um, against the Viking Raiders, but. Um, Next, we're going to go into Riddle, or Matt Riddle, take on John Morrison in singles action. Really good stuff here. Um, This started in a back-and-forth clinic. Morrison did a jumping kick to the face of Riddle. That was awesome. And then Riddle did a kick to the Miz on the outside of the ring, uh, flipping his wheelchair. That was hilarious. (laughs) Um, The twisting moonsault by Riddle to the outside was awesome. Then he did a powerbomb into a knee strike combination. Um, in the end, Omos and AJ came out ringside. Um, Riddle, or I think, yes, sorry, it was Morrison that hit the uh, Starship Pain for the win. Uh, great stuff here. Um, Omos Styles' RK Bro feud is now ongoing, and we expect it at SummerSlam. And, dude, the Miz spraying Byron Saxton with the dripstick is literally hilarious, and I find it so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I just liked everything all around here. Yeah, very entertaining stuff. And the drip stick is becoming one of the most over things in wrestling right now. In WWE, yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I thought the match itself was really entertaining. Um, The Miz in a wheelchair, surprisingly, is more entertaining than the Miz normal. And I love the Miz, and you know that. So I don't understand how this man not being able to walk is still more entertaining to me. Yep. He's he's just that fucking good. Um, But yeah, I mean... We're going to get RK Bro, Styles, Omos at SummerSlam, but can I ask you a question, Kyle? Yeah, go ahead. Where the hell's Randy Orton? Uh, probably going to be cut next week. <laughs> at this rate, probably. <laughs> at this rate, probably. Someone, someone, like, someone posted a meme, and it was, or not really a meme, it was a quote from Randy Orton that. And the quote was like going into WrestleMania or after WrestleMania, as long as I'm still in the company, the fiend will never be seen again. And then it cuts to Bray Wyatt released by WWE. So Randy Orton's like a fucking psychic. He can see the future. Yep. In case you didn't know that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go into the main event. Uh, Charlotte facing the champion, Nixon Cruz. Uh, honor that. Bro. This was just okay. I, I really didn't like it. Um, Charlotte dominated the first part of the match, just tossing Cruz in and out of the ring. Um, Charlotte had a very nice fallaway suplex to Cruz 
But then she turned the tide with a bulldog and a flurry of offense. In the end, Nixon went for a crossbody. Charlotte reversed into a pin. And Charlotte picks up the W. Uh, they are trying to get a big baby face reaction for Cruz. And it's just not working because no one cares. Um, 50-50 booking will probably follow next week. So Nixon will probably pin Charlotte. I don't know. Maybe Rhea gets involved. Um, I did not enjoy this one bit. Uh, I didn't really care for the opening promo that they had. I did like Charlotte calling uh, Nixon a super idiot. I thought that was hilarious. Um, And they also announced a triple threat match between these two and Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's title at SummerSlam. I am not excited about that match at all. Kyle, be honest. You wrote Charlotte's promo, didn't you? What? No, I, I actually did not write anything about Charlotte's promo. I was just no. gonna remember it. I meant I meant you physically wrote her promo to call Oh, I think Nikki I did Cross yeah. super idiot. Yeah. I think I yeah. did. Dude, that, that promo is just literally her roasting Nixon for the whole time. Yeah, Loved and it. that's why that's why I say you you definitely wrote her lines for her. Loved it. She said she said everything you wanted to say. Um dude, if I'm gonna be honest, I think I think Nikki Cross drops the title. At SummerSlam. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Charlotte's winning. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's weird to say because I am a firm believer that champion should hold the title and make the title meaningful, not drop it thirty days later. But this needs to drop thirty days later. This this is not hitting with the crowd. Um, I I, I don't know. I just I just don't get it. Just something's not clicking. Uh, you clearly hate it, and. WWE has managed to turn Nikki Cross, one of the most beloved characters in women's wrestling at one time, to, to use your term, Kyle, a jabroni. And it's, it's sad. I hope, well, I hope she drops the title. And well, I hope you she goes back to being normal Nikki Cross. You can't take her seriously. Don't just no. look at her. Yeah, I mean, dude, the, dude, the mask doesn't even fit her face. Just look at, dude, she just, she, she just looks so out of place. One, Dylan, this gimmick is a chasing gimmick. This is not a championship gimmick. And they have Charlotte chasing her. It's so backwards to me. And, dude, it just – what it does, it makes Liv Morgan literally look like nothing right now. Yeah, it's that. And and Liv Morgan hasn't even been on SmackDown two weeks, which we'll get to. But uh, I – I really did not like this episode at all. I did, dude, Riddle and Morrison are literally the bright spots of Raw right now. And and I'll give AJ and almost that uh, title as well, but I just didn't like it. But we're going to go into uh, NXT in our opening contest. We had Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan take on the team of Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. Very good stuff here as always. Uh, Thatcher and Dunne started the match with tough submissions, even an ankle lock. I love the combo of Thatcher. Um, he had Lorcan in an arm bar, and then Ciampa kicked him just square in the face. Um, the best part of the match was Ciampa clothesline spot. He literally did like six clotheslines to each guy just running to each other. Dude, is so clean, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the end of the match, we saw the return of Ridge Holland distracting uh, Thatcher. Uh, Dunn hits the better end for the win. Very good match, and I cannot wait to see what NXT has in store for Ridge Holland because I really do think he could be a potential star. I think so, too, and I thought the match was very entertaining. Um, 
you mentioned the Champa spot with the clothesline. That was by far my favorite moment. Because um, everything Tommaso Champa does is becoming gold and has been gold for quite some time. To be honest, I don't really have much. I mean, it it, it kind of speaks for itself. It's there's exciting things going on in NXT. The match itself was great. Um, yep. And this is why we tune into NXT every week. It's just it's just for things like this. Even they're like not so meaningful TV matches are they're great. They're gold. I mean, that's just that's just how the promotion is. Well, they're. Their weekly show matches are better than the main roster pay-per-view matches. So, That's true. I mean, it just kind of shows how on a different level they are. But It also shows the weird disconnect between Raw and SmackDown and NXT, despite the fact that they're all run by the same company. Makes Yeah, it's just one guy has control one and, you know, and doesn't, one guy is. Sense. Yeah. So next we have Raquel and Dakota promo, uh, Dakota Kai, to see who is next in line for a title shot. And we had a Dakota Kai heel turn. Nice call, Dylan, from last week. Um, I'm not sure about the like the smaller girl being the heel in this situation, but it's NXT. They'll figure it out. You know, it's going to be great regardless. But I was really thinking about the challengers, and they seem to be mostly heels anyway, so this makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it kind of makes me believe that Raquel will win at TakeOver 36. I mean, she probably is, but dude, it is Dakota's time to shine, bro. Like, you and I can, I think, mutually agree that, dude, she's paid her dues. Like, she's put on great matches, been in great programs, been in great teams for Tegan Knox at one point. Yep. Like, it is her time to shine. And as much as I love Raquel and I love what she's done as champion, I think she's legitimized the title even more. Dude, I'd love to see Dakota Kai as champion sooner rather than later. Like, just give her the women's division. Like I, I, I love her, and I love the turn. I love the segment. I fucking called it, which makes it even better. Dude, I, I'm so excited. I mean, I, I'm picking Raquel. Um, I just think there's too many heel challengers right now. But I think they did Dylan a pay per view too early. I think if they extended it to maybe October, November, then you put the title on Raquel or uh, excuse me on Dakota Kai. And then you have Raquel do other stuff. But since it's this early into her reign, I, I still see Raquel uh, retaining. But in other news, uh, Carmelo Hayes defeated Josh Briggs in the quarterfinal of the breakout tournament, which has been awesome. And Triple H announces Walter versus Ilya Dragunov for the NXT UK title at TakeOver 36. Whoo, that is going to be a good one. But in our main event, Bronson Reed took on Adam Cole, baby. Baby. Uh, this was awesome. Uh, this was Bronson's power versus the brains and quickness of Adam Cole. The storytelling really worked here. Uh, Cole worked on the knee of Bronson, but Reed came back in two. So he hit like a spinning Samoan draw combination. It was crazy mm-hmm. because he started from a, um, a brain buster spot. And, it, dude, it was awesome. Uh, Cole hits the Panama City Sunrise for only a two count. Um, but eventually hits the last shot and back of the neck for the win. Storytelling was top-notch here. Great match. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that Bronson's going to go up to the main roster very, very soon. But this mm-hmm. was a great way to send him off. Um, after the match, Kyle O'Reilly tacked Adam Cole with a chair and even gave him a brain buster on the steel steps. Oof. That was a brutal way <laughs> to end the show. Um just another 
phenomenal show by NXT and just no other brand is keeping up with them, Dylan, at this point. No, no. And it's, they're, they're kind of running, running away with it at this point. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the match. It's going to be sad to see Bronson Reed eventually move on, which seems to be the move right now. Um, I think it's too soon, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, it's it's all, I mean, we're going to get Cole O'Reilly again, which is going to be amazing again. Um, as far as this match is concerned, it was, it was very, very entertaining. It's another... NXT TV match, which you said it just a little bit ago. Their TV matches are better than main roster pay-per-view matches at this point. Yep. And they're just that fucking good. And I thought the show ended great. The the, the closeout of, of O'Reilly getting the upper hand on Cole. I, I absolutely loved it. I thought the, to be honest, I thought the episode was almost perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, I did too. Um, so we're going to get into... AEW. Uh, and before I get into it, Dylan, um, NXT weekly shows are even better than some AEW pay-per-view matches. So it just, it's mind-boggling how good NXT is. But mm-hmm. um, we started with an elimination tag match between the Elite and the Dark Order with Hangman Page. The Elite came out, Dylan, doing the Space Jam introduction. <laughs> and that was hilarious. It came out yeah. fastballs, dribbling, dude. It, it was it was so funny. Yeah. Uh, but this match was wild. Uh, these teams brawled all over. Mm-hmm. Reynolds suplexed Nick Jackson onto everyone on the outside. I loved when the Dark Order surrounded Carl Anderson. And then he literally just started dancing, like salsa dancing to get out of it. It was very, very funny. <laughs> um, e- so uh, Evil Uno hit the fatality on Anderson to eliminate him. But Dylan, my favorite spot of the match was uh, the Bucks hit John Silver with the Meltzer driver. But in the same motion, Nick was supposed to dunk a basketball, but it totally missed, bro. It wasn't <laughs> close. Um, and then he picked it up, slammed it afterwards, and said, that was what was supposed to happen. It was funny, bro. Um, in the end, Omega hit the one-winged angel on page for the win, meaning he is no longer the number one contender in Dark Order. Do not get a tag team title match. This was ridiculous, wacky, but the wrestling and storytelling were there. And they were honestly great. I think it just might have been a little too long mm-hmm. and a little too gimmicky for me to yep. really enjoy it. That's exactly what I was about to say. That was my that was my takeaway from it. I, I mean, the storytelling, like you said, was there. It was It was entertaining. The match itself was good. It was just too goofy. Yeah. For me to take it seriously, like. Especially with that stipulation on the line, like you would you would think the match would be taken a little more seriously. That being said, I do want to try and track down one of those elite squad jerseys because yeah. those were sick, bro. But um, not I, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I thought it was too gimmicky, and despite all the positives of the match itself, it it, it took away from it for me, and I just couldn't get fully into it because I was distracted. By all the goofy stuff going on. I I totally agree. And yes, I do want um the elite squad. I want the number sixty nine Gallows jersey, by the way. That yeah. that one's awesome. Yep. Anyway, um we had a dart did you see the Darby Allen promo, Dylan? Kyle, did I see the Darby Allen promo? Of course so, I did. I'm I'm so excited it was, to talk about this. So it was only twenty seconds and 
you know, he was kind of talking about, like, I don't know if it was Marvez or – he said something about, like, AEW Rampage, but the whole promo ended with, like, to see who is the best in the world. Mm-hmm. So if CM Punk does show up, which is likely – we may get a Darby Allen CM Punk feud very, very soon. And Dylan will have to watch from the bathroom. Dude, I'm so fucking... Bro. Dude, I... oh my god. Oh. It's gonna be I good. I can't even like, contain myself. You have to go first. I mean, the, the feud is gonna be... I mean, the promo wasn't anything special until like the very end of it. But, I mean... A lot of people like CM Punk and Darby's hot right now, so I don't I don't know, Dylan, because you don't you don't bring CM Punk in to lose his first feud. So I'm afraid Darby Allen's not gonna win the CM Punk feud, which I'm concerned about, but fans are gonna love it, so you know. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Um if if it's a full on feud, they could just have like a one off match and, and then Punk will win. Well, yeah, Punk Punk's gonna win it regardless. If Punk comes back, even half of what he used to be, right? Because we know we know Punk's gonna come back and be a great talker. We know he's gonna cut great promos because he always has been. Um, the wrestling ability is the only thing that worries me because he hasn't wrestled in seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he comes back close to that, we're in for something special. Punk always had great in-ring psychology. Darby Allen's just on another level right now. And that could be special if it happens. But we'll see. Yeah, may not Kyle, happen, did you know but... uh, Rampage tickets are only 25 bucks? The ones that are available, they're cheap seats. You and I, uh, we should drive up to Chicago, see what we think. Nah, I don't want to see the cheap seats, bro. I would rather get good seats. Bro, they're $1,400 in good seats. <laughs> Oof. Ah, uh, yeah, we'll just watch it on TV. Yeah. Um, in other news, uh, FTR defeated Proud and Powerful, but it had to end earlier than planned because of the brutal arm injury to Cash Wheeler. We even saw Bone. It was mm-hmm. disgusting, but we wish him a speedy recovery to him. Absolutely. Um, but in our main event, in a no-rules match, Chris Jericho took on Nick Gage. The match honestly started very slow. But really picked up towards the middle. Um, Jericho hit Gage with the baseball bat. And then shortly after, Gage grinds the pizza cutter to the flesh of Jericho. Um, Gage used light tubes and steel chairs. But Jericho hit a top rope hurricane rana through the plexiglass. Um, Jericho hits Gage with the Judas effect for the win. This was very fun and very physical. But you could tell the weapons were just too gimmicked. Um, and I, I, I just thought it was okay. Like I, I didn't really get into it, into it. Um, and that's just kind of how I felt about the show. I just kind of thought it was okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the show itself was fine. The episode was fine. This match, like it was good to, I mean, this is, I wouldn't necessarily call last week's a, a death match, the, the IWGP thing. Uh, but this one was you know, they didn't label it as a death match, but it was a death match. Light tubes and glass and all that right. stuff. And it was nice to see that on mainstream TV. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't happen. That's that's a Japan thing. That's an independent thing. Um, I would be okay if it doesn't happen again or doesn't happen for a while. And that's not b- 
because I don't like those style of matches. It's just this one for whatever reason didn't click. Yeah. Completely. It was it was fine. It was fun. It was entertaining, but I've seen better death matches and maybe it's better to leave those kind of matches for places that don't have sponsorships and things to worry about and don't want to piss off TV networks and everything. So they have to limit themselves, really, if you think yep. about it. No, CZW I'm... doesn't have to limit itself. So if you want to see a good death match, just go there. Uh, GCW, which we've talked about recently on this show, they do great death, ma- death matches. Yep. I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd be okay if AEW doesn't do another one, but it was fine. It was, yeah. it was good. Um, so we're jumping into SmackDown. Oh, Woo! gosh. Very average show. Um, we will start with a contract signing. Um, Roman versus Finn Maller at, you know, was supposed to be at SummerSlam. Um, but when he was signing the contract, Finn was attacked by Baron Corbin. And eventually Cena came out, signed the contract, make an official Cena versus Roman at SummerSlam. The whole thing was just weird how that everything happened. And uh, we were getting Corbin versus Finn Balor next week. Maybe even stretches out the SummerSlam. Who knows? I mean, Corbin does need money. He's broke. That's what we're learning. So Dude, I hope, he needs $100,000. Yeah, maybe him getting a pay-per-view match. Like, who knows? It'll, it'll help line his pockets a little bit, pay off his debts. Yep. Dude, he has, he, has, he has so many cars he can't pay for. Did you hear that? Dude, I, I really dig this character. Did you did you see his like backstage segment where he was talking about as a king I made ten thousand dollars a week? <laughs> like, what? what are you talking about, bro? Dude, it's funny. He's like he's like I bought million dollar houses and cars and all the jewelry and now like my wife doesn't look at me. <laughs> my cars are getting taken away. I don't even want to talk about how much I make now. It's like, Dude, it, it's funny. I used to not. I I'm not a Baron Corbin guy, but. This is kind of entertaining. I'm not gonna lie. Yep. Like it's been it's been fun. Yeah. The, the the contract signing was too predictable though. Yeah. Come beyond. Like we knew Cena was gonna come out and somehow sign that contract. Yeah. I, know. I mean, it's, it was it, it was nothing special. Um, no. But yeah, another segment. Um, Edge came out for a promo on Seth Rollins. Seth came out and attacked Edge, saying, "If I can't be part of the Universal Title match, neither can you." Uh, the beatdown was really good. Um, not only was this the best part of the night, but this match is the match I'm most excited for at SummerSlam. I agree. And at, at this point, I don't even think it's particularly close. No. I mean, I mean, Cena-Roman's going to be a good match. My fear is just that it's too predictable. Um, I share your sentiment. I think Edge-Rollins is going to be – or, or it's, it's definitely the match I'm most looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think it's something fresh, something different. We haven't seen these two wrestle before, mainly because Edge was retired when when Rollins and him first interacted. So I'm really excited to see that. Um, something new, which something mm-hmm. WWE doesn't do a whole lot, is something fresh and new. And that's what this is, and it's exciting. Um, in other news, Rey Mysterio defeated Jimmy Uso in... The matches were just not very good tonight. Um, but in our main event, Carmella and Selena Vega took on the team of Bianca Belair and the returning Sasha Banks. So, Dylan, I don't know if you saw the promo that they did before. The crowd really wasn't into Sasha coming back. They were just kind of nope. eh. Um, and I think WWE is pretty disappointed about the reaction that she got. Um, few 
There's a, only a few cool tag maneuvers by both teams. I like Bianca throwing Sasha into Carmella and Selena on the outside. I thought Selena Vega was the star of the match, being in control, um, putting Bianca in submissions. But Banks puts uh, Carmella and Banks statement for the win. Just nothing special here. I didn't really care for it. After the match, very predictable. Sasha attacked Bianca, setting up another match at SummerSlam. Dylan, this match can be good, but we've seen it before, and it just shows they don't have anyone. You said last week they you may expect them to do Tony Storm at SummerSlam. I told you, bro, it's going to be Sasha Banks. So I, I wish I wasn't right in this situation, but right. it's predictable. And honestly, I see Sasha Banks winning at SummerSlam. So right after where I say WWE is giving us something fresh – they follow that up with giving us something that we've seen countless times before. Yep. We've seen this feud before. Yep. Not just, not just a match. We've seen an entire feud. We've seen multiple series of matches. We've seen a WrestleMania feud. We've seen like, so what they give the title to Sasha and then we get Bianca Sasha for another three months. Yes. That's what's about to happen. Yes. Well, they don't have anyone else. So, so you're telling me Kyle, Mm-hmm. Logically, these two are about to compete for the SmackDown Women's Title over basically a six-month stretch. Half the year, these two are going to be involved in a feud with each other, probably longer, because they did two or three months leading into WrestleMania, and now we're probably going to get another two or three months post SummerSlam. Yep. So half the year of this title has been dedicated to these two. If the feud is compelling, I would not be upset. I don't care about it. This feud was not compelling the first time around. The WrestleMania match was good, Mm -hmm. but the feud itself overall was not good. I did not get into it. I'm not excited to see it again. No, I mean, I agree. And um, like I said earlier, Liv Morgan's not even on TV. Right. Um, Tony Storm wasn't on TV. Shotzi Blackheart wasn't on TV. Shotzi. It's not Blackheart anymore. Did it right? I'm not calling her just Shotzi. I refuse. Um, But. That was the weekly shows. Nothing really special besides one. Dylan, what was the show of the week? It's a no-brainer. You don't even have to ask. It's, yep. It's NXT. It's NXT. Yep, NXT won. Um, so, Dylan, I have a very hot take this week, but uh, why don't you go first and tell everyone your hot take of the week? So, my hot take is something that I kind of teased during uh, the NXT breakdown. I think Dakota Kai should be the face of the women's division, and I'm going to stick by it. <clears throat> I'm not I'm not wavering. That's a point blank period. Dakota Kai should be the face of the NXT women's division. Sorry, not sorry. I know you're gonna disagree, but carry on. Um I mean, yeah, I, I disagree because they I think Raquel should be a heel until Saray takes the title. And I think mm-hmm. Saray could be the, the um the eventual leader of the women's I mean, I love Dakota Kai. I, I like <laughs> Dakota even before she was on NXT. She did right. some stardom stuff as Evie. I loved her. Um, I don't know how I feel about this yet. And if she wins, I'm going to be totally okay with it. But, um, you know, we'll see. I, I just love Saray. So. Um, so, Dylan, mine is a very hot take that you are not going to like. Uh-oh. So, Dylan, the most valuable free agent in professional wrestling right now is not CM Punk. Mm-hmm. It is not Daniel Bryan. It is still Tessa Blanchard. 
Remember, she is only 26 years old, and I understand she will not get the mainstream coverage like the other two. But to a woman's division like the main roster who desperately needs her, or even NXT that will make her special, she is more important than to a division than Punk and Brian to an already stacked AEW men's division. So the value, I'm sorry, is just greater for Tessa. Uh, Tessa can lead a company for the next 10 years. And honestly, I, I don't even think this is an argument. I, I think by a landslide, she's the most valuable free agent. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. I, I kind of agree with that sentiment. Um, mm-hmm. I think Punk Brian bring more eyes to a product yeah. just because they're bigger names. Um, but I agree with you. Any any company, any promotion that does score Tessa Blanchard is like that's a win for them. And with all the losses that WWE has had, they could benefit from Tessa's you know services. Mm-hmm. But Kyle, I'm gonna be honest. I've said it since the start of this show. AEW's women roster is not that deep. Don't you think maybe they could utilize her a little more? Or is, uh, or is WWE in such bad shape that they need the signing more? Well, I don't care what happens. NXT will treat her the best. But even if right. she... AEW, it, it, it doesn't matter. NXT will make her the biggest star possible. Right. Um, AEW probably does need her because... they just, Well, they don't push people as their problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, I still think she should go to NXT and... They'll just have a dominant roster that no one can follow. Um, but, uh, yeah. So those are the hot takes of the week. So, Dylan, we will now get into our top 10 favorite tag team list of all time. So, a few rules yep. stables are not allowed, but teams inside of a stable are acceptable. Remember, the wrestlers on this list don't have to be the best workers in the world, but how they work together as a unit and being able to defend your answer that is what we're looking for tag team wrestling when it's done is one of the best things in wrestling it is dude there's so much history and i am so excited dude i've been looking for this for weeks um so don before you start with number 10 um would (laughs) you like to give the audience two honorable mentions that just missed yeah, so before I give my honorable mentions, I'm going to list some names that I couldn't put on this list due to the stable faction made mm-hmm. um, that I'm sure we'll dive deeper into. So teams like the New Day, I did not put on my list because they are a team of three. So, I mean, you could you could have put Xavier eh. and Kofi. Nope, I'm going to save the New Day for if we ever do a, uh, a faction okay. episode, which I'm sure will happen. Um, within the it's, next several weeks. It's coming soon, yep. Um, you know, Legacy, Evolution. Like, there's a lot of great teams. And I remember texting you late last night. I was like, dude, this, this list was fun to do. But I realized most of the teams I like were fucking stables. Mm. So I'm super stoked whenever we do that episode. So, <sighs> number 10. Oh, uh, oh, honorable mentions. Honorable mentions, sorry. Yep, then I'll do um, mine. Honorable mentions. Um the Usos have grown on me over the last several years. Their feud with the New Day um, specifically is something that I point out. I'm not a giant fan of what they're doing recently, and I think that's probably what took them off of my list 
Because mm-hmm. I had them penciled in at number 10, I'm going to be honest. I thought you were going to have them in. Yeah, I, I literally, like, all week, I was like, the Usos are going to be my number 10. They're going to kick off my list. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not a giant fan of what's been going on the last year with that team. Oh, my gosh. So they do get an honorable mention because I do like the Usos overall, but I'm mm-hmm. not a giant fan of the Bloodline thing going on just because it feels too Scooby and Scrappy-Doo to me. Yep. Um. So they're an honorable mention. Another one was the Miz and Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, Miz and Morrison didn't have a long run their first time around, and they've only been together for about the last year or so since Morrison yep. came back to WWE. But anytime they've been together, they've been super entertaining. Um, that's, so they're they're another honorable mention of mine. So that's crazy because one of my honorable mentions is the Miz and John Morrison. They almost made it. They were, yep. I think they were number 11. They almost made it. Yep. Um, another team that that didn't team for very long on like a mainstream product, but I just love both guys. Um, just missing the cut was DIY. Yep. Um, they just missed it. Um, dude, I'm, I'm just so ready for this. Uh, Dylan, will you like to start with number 10? Yeah, so number 10, I went a little old school with it, Kyle. Okay. Uh, went all the way back to the Attitude Era. They were part of a stable, but they were more known just as the pairing. Okay. Um, they are six-time champions, all of which happened under WWE's umbrella. They are the New Age Outlaws. Hmm. Uh, the New Age Outlaws, very, uh, they were dubbed the most uh, popular team of the Attitude Era, uh, which is still regarded as the best era of professional wrestling. Tag team wrestling wasn't super great in the attitude era there were only a few good teams a few bright spots but the tag titles did kind of bounce around a little bit um but anything the new age outlaws were a part of whether it was just them two whether it was um when they were part of dx during the big faction era of dx um or even their like brief run in in tna which felt more like a nostalgia act but they always entertained me um Mm -hmm. that's why they kick off my list at number 10 Hmm. Um, I'm going to be honest, they're probably not in my top 50, but you know, I, I, I liked them a lot. Um, I, I knew they were going to be on your list, but I don't know. They, I don't think it's just for me. Um, but my number 10 Dylan is, is definitely a me pick. So my number 10 is a team that won both WWE tag team titles and even wrestled together in ROH. They were one of the most, or they were one of the best underdog teams in history, and especially from 2005 to 2008. Oh, Dylan, I... my number ten is Paul London. I knew and it. Brian Kendrick. Fucking knew I mean, it. I mean, they're they were so great. Uh, not people, not many people know this, but Pro Wrestling Illustrated voted them the best tag team in the world in 2007. Uh, the charisma these two had were just undeniable. Their entrance was memorable with them just sprinting to the ring. Their speedy offense really continued to open doors for smaller tag teams. They just had an edge about them. I loved their promos, especially Kendrick's promos. Um, Them just, they were faces a lot of it, but then they got like a short heel run. And dude, it was money. Um, At the time, they were my favorite tag team. Especially, you know, in 2008, uh, well, 2005, 2008, um, when I was, I wasn't introduced to wrestling in 2005, but they were just so hot. I, I just love these two. Um, it shouldn't be a shocker. 
Paul London, Brian Kendrick are my number 10. Um, love the pick. Absolutely love the pick. They would probably fit in at like number 13 on my list, if I'm being honest, because I thought about them too. Um, hot take. Uh, London and Kendrick were the Young Bucks before the Young Bucks. Just oh, yeah. Ace Warren is over, but style, look, charisma, like, there's some similarities there. Um, obviously, the Young Bucks, you know, they're they're on, like, God level. But, yeah, I love the pick, Kyle. All right, Dylan, number nine. My, number, mine's a shocker at number nine, so we'll, we'll see what yours is. Number nine is probably – I know it's a team that you're aware of, but – Probably you wouldn't expect to be on my list. Okay. Uh, they spent most of their, literally their whole career, as far as big promotions are concerned, in TNA and Ring of Honor. Um, they are seven-time tag team champions, two of which happened in Ring of Honor. Five were Impact slash TNA. It is Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards, the Wolves, at number hmm. nine. Um, what sold me on the Wolves was they had a feud with the Hardys back in like 2015, 2016 and impact. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Absolutely did. Um, Edwards has gone on to more main event fame. He's been a world champion. Um, but they're pairing together. Like I said, they're seven time champs across two different promotions. Um, both promotions we've talked about a little bit on the show. Um, not much else to add. The Wolves, are number nine. I I've always I've always loved the pairing between. So, the two. Dylan, my uh, my number nine is also a um, a pretty underrated team. They mm-hmm. also were uh, are waged in TNA. Mm-hmm. Um, so my number nine is Davy Richards and Eddie Edwards, the Wolves. <laughs> hey, dude, dude, that's crazy. Um, that's great. Two of the most <laughs> underrated workers in pro wrestling, and as a team, their chemistry was just top notch. Um, not a a lot of teams are like this. You didn't mention this, Dylan, but they had more chemistry in Tornado tag team matches than normal tag team matches. That's yep. insane to me. Um, I love their finisher back in the day when Edwards super kicked opponents and then Richards gave them a nasty German suplex. Mm-hmm. Um, their selling was top notch. And not a lot of teams were like them. Um, they were the tag team of the year in 2009. Their kicking ability, I, they were great. Um, they even had a monsters ball match against Decay, which is probably my favorite Wolves match of all time. Um, these two were great as a team, great as enemies, but you know they were just—they were fantastic. I love them. It's crazy that they were both our number nines. And Dylan is crazy because our last top ten list, we both got number nine with Kevin Owens. Yeah. So um, that is crazy. So Dylan, number eight. All right, number eight is a well-traveled tag team. They were first paired together in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. They've been a part of a faction, but they've carried on more as a tag team in other promotions. Now they are kind of back in a stable again. They have spent time in WWE, Impact, and New Japan. Uh, They are seven-time tag team champions, two in WWE, two in Impact, and three under New Japan's umbrella. They are Gallows and Anderson, also known as the Good Brothers, Hmm. are number eight. Uh, Whether they were paired in the Bullet Club with Balor and and Styles and all them, whether it was the club in WWE (laughs) with just Styles, um, what are you laughing at? That was such a bad name, dude. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Um, 
now now they're part of the elite. But Gallows and Anderson, no matter what they're a part of, whether it's by themselves as a tag team, part of a stable, dude, they're so entertaining. I mean, you even mentioned Gallows wearing the 69 jersey on Dynamite. That's just one of those little, like, little details that just makes them, like, head and shoulders above other tag teams. And I said before, Carl Anderson is a really good singles wrestler as well, but obviously he's cut his teeth doing tag team stuff, and he's great at it. Um very accomplished across many different promotions, highly regarded in Japan. Um, and now they're doing really good with impact and AEW during that partnership. So Gallows and Anderson are number eight. Yeah, they, um, they were in discussion to be in my list. Um, they're, I would say they're around 20 for me. Um, but Dylan, my number eight, this is a shocker. Um, this team was involved in one of my favorite stables in the history of professional wrestling. But their willingness to do anything as a team always stuck to me, especially these two in this stable. Do you know who I'm going to say? Nope. So, Dylan, my number eight, Velvet Sky, Madison Rain from The Beautiful People are my number eight. These two in that time just had chemistry like no other. And they were really the leaders of the women's tag team division. Yeah. Um, they bent the rules so much that people just wanted to boo them and didn't like them at all. Um, I loved it when they used hairspray and other objects to get themselves to win. They were just the slimiest heel team. It it was so good to see. And especially, I mean, when they were hot, Dylan, it's just a different age of wrestling like it is now. But the chemistry they had, I mean, it it's very hard to compare. Um they were champions in TNA and had great feuds and matches with Taylor Wilde and Sarita. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even had a food fight with them, which was really entertaining. <laughs> um, I know Angelina tagged with each of these women, but the dynamic that Madison and Velvet had will go down as one of my favorites of all time. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's just nothing like them. Velvet Sky, Madison Rain for them beautiful people are my number eight. You know, you mentioned how they, they were hot back in the day. Kyle, they're still hot now, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, I, I know. Mean, I know you're talking about wrestling terms, but they're still beautiful. I just want that to be pointed out. Um, yeah, no, I I really like the beautiful people. Um, it was it was definitely during a time where women's tag team wrestling wasn't highlighted, but they were definitely a pioneer for that. TNA as a whole was really a pioneer for it. They had women's tag titles before any other of the major promotions, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I like the pick. I really do. All right, Dylan, number seven. Number seven, Kyle, they are four-time champions, two of which were in TNA. One was a Ring of Honor tag title, and another one happened in New Japan under their umbrella. Uh, They're known for their run in TNA. They are Chris Saban and Alex Shelley, also known as the Motor City Machine Guns, Hmm. at number seven. So when I first got into TNA around like late 2009 early 2010 when i used to watch it like religiously every week um the motor city machine guns were always on yep um they were always in discussion for like tag titles their their pace i absolutely love alex shelley um and chris saban as single stars chris saban has been uh, a tna world champion if i'm not mistaken um but their pairing together was always entertaining. Um, they've had multiple runs as a tag team. It's not been one consistent thing. Like they've broken up, feuded together, things like that. But 
anytime they're paired together, dude, they are one of the most underrated tag teams out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone, a a team that never really garnered a ton of attention, mainly because they wrestled for smaller promotions. Um, But they've always been home run hitters anytime they were paired together. So the Motor City Machine Guns are my number seven. Dylan, my number seven could not be any more different than your number seven. (laughs) So these two never won championship gold and aren't, and they weren't a team for very long. But the character work and the crazy booking of these two will go down as an all-time favorite of mine. Oh, I know what it is. Go ahead. This is the team of Allie, Rosemary, Demon Bunny. This was wild, Dylan. Everything about this was wild. So, Rosemary and Allie were a very good team. But then Sue Young and the uh, Undead Bridesmaids kidnapped Mm -hmm. Rosemary. So, Allie and help from Kira Hogan had to go save her from the, uh, the Undead Realm. TNA created this just wacky portal thing with like superpowers. It, it was ridiculous, but it was it was genius of what it was. Um, the character work from Allie being under Sue Young's power, and also you know having Rosemary come back and saving her at Bound for Glory, it was amazing. Um, you know you could see Allie's turn to be like a uh, the bride the undead bridesmaids. But then it's just the chemistry these two had. And even in the ring, you know, they battled uh, Jordan Grace. And I can't remember her uh, tag team partner at the time. But, I mean, they just, they went, you know, against all the different teams in a in Impact. They're just so good. And, you know, I'm Rosemary actually might be my favorite superstar in the history of professional wrestling at this point. It's just because I bring her up so much. Um, mm-hmm. And you can also tell that these two are best friends outside the ring. I love these two. Number seven is Allie and Rosemary, Demon Bunny. Does not surprise me that you had something that involved Rosemary on your list. Every list I've had had her. I'm going to be honest. I thought I thought this list was – or this spot was going to be Decay. Yeah. But, yeah. It, it's still right up your alley. I love them. Um, I like it. All right, Kyle. I love my number six so much. I love my number six, too. I'm really stoked. I don't think we have the same one, though. Oh, probably not. So, my number six are more known as a team in TNA. As a matter of fact, I don't think they've ever paired anywhere else, if I'm not mistaken. They are five-time TNA World Tag Team Champions. Mm-hmm. Number six is Beer Money Incorporated. James Storm and Robert Roode or Bobby Roode, whatever he wants to go by. Mm-hmm. Um, the team was so entertaining and they were so good in the ring as well. James Storm used to come out driving a fucking cooler to the ring. They would spray beer on people, not in the way that Stone Cold would like, would get on people. Like they would actually like spit it in the crowd and like pour beer on people. Very entertaining stuff. Whether it was beer or not, we don't know. Um, yeah, uh, they've both gone on to become TNA World Champion on separate occasions. They had a nice singles feud with one another as well. But kind of like the Motor City Machine Guns, anytime they were paired together, I enjoyed it. They were part of factions at one point. I believe they were part of Fortune when yep. that was a thing in TNA, which eventually merged with Immortal. Um, but they really did most of their great work when it was just them two. Uh, they were yep. kind of the face of TNA's tag team division for quite some time, and they've since gone on to become single stars. Uh, but Beer Money is my number six. 
Good pick. Um, so my number six is not beer money. Um, okay. A top three most underrated tag team in the last five years. And what I love about them most is how much of a throwback they are to old school wrestling. Um, that is the team. Josh Alexander, all ego, Ethan Page, mm-hmm. the North are my number six favorite tag team of all time. Not many tag teams nowadays perform headlock and use their physicality to win matches like them. Um, They just do it to a level that just can't be matched. We're impact champions for 300 days, dominating that division. And, you know, back in the day, they were even a team in PWG. Mm -hmm. Um, They dominated that division. Alexander has the old school look, and Paige is always money in the ring. But their finisher down the Northern Assault, which is the torture rack thrown into a spine buster, is so clean. I love how reverting to the 1980s they are, but they also adjust to other tag teams. So if they need to do a top rope spot, they can do that just because of how good they are. These two deserve more praise in a top tag team in TNA history, in my opinion. I love them. Uh, number six is the North. I really like this pick. Um, you hit the nail on the head saying Alexander is kind of a throwback. He wears like the singlet and the amateur wrestling headgear. Yep. Which is super cool. This is another team, Kyle, that almost made the cut. I'm going to be honest. They were almost my number 10. They were a very you tag team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely dig them. Um, All right. During an era of impact that I couldn't get into, uh, which is frustrating because they were really good during that era. Um, yeah, they were tag team wrestling in that era. So yeah. All right, Kyle, All right. my number five. So my top right. five, by the way, I will preface by saying are some names that you're definitely going to recognize. They're not underrated tag teams. I just put them in probably some unique spots. I think <clears throat> we might have that same number five. My number five, Kyle are hands down the most accomplished tag team yep. on my list. They are, I had to count them up, across major promotions or the major promotions that they wrestled for, they are 20-time tag team champions. Two happened under TNA's watch, eight in ECW's watch, and 10 under WWE's umbrella. Mm-hmm. They're the Dudley Boys. Oh, Okay. They are the Dudley Boys. They were Attitude Era Tag Team Wrestling, whether it was in ECW or it was during uh, the WWE uh, time where they feuded with Edging Christian and the Hardys, TLC matches, tables matches. They were one of the most over tag teams in wrestling. And despite their age nowadays, if they were to pop up on my screen tonight, I would tune in and talk about it. Like they mm-hmm. were, They were so over. No matter what crowd they were in front of, it didn't matter if they were in the impact zone or in front of the WWE universe or they're in front of the psychopaths that are the ECW crowd. Um, hands down, the most accomplished team on my list. Uh, Bubba Ray, or Bully Ray, as he was once known, has gone on to become a single star. He's a multi time world champion for TNA. Devon never really could really cut it as a single star, but whenever they were paired together, dude. I, I can I can hear the chance now of of Devon get the tables and mm-hmm. the crowd just exploding, dude. The Dudley Boys were so fun to watch. Their ECW stuff a lot. Um, they're they're my number five. I absolutely love them. Dudleys are about fifteen on my list. They didn't actually not 
They didn't make my list. I love Bully Ray, especially in the mic. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, my my top five. Dylan, I've had for a very long time, so I just I couldn't do any adjusting. Um, but I do like your pick. Um, so you said that is the most accomplished tag team on my list. On your list, well, on, on my list, list, my number five blows yours out of the water. One of the biggest names in the history of tag team wrestling, and they have competed at the highest level wherever they have been. This still on number five. Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks are my number five. They have combined for 36 title reigns in their career. Mm-hmm. And, it, dude, their work is just absolutely insane, and it is very me. Um, no team will just ever reach their accomplishments, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, have been voted tag team of the year six times. And Dylan, they, they have a very strong argument to be the best tag team in the history of professional wrestling. Absolutely love the Meltzer driver finisher and the chemistry of the brothers is something that can't be matched. Their mm-hmm. match against recently against Omega and page and AW, it, it was perfection. It, it was so good. Um, there's, yeah. It's just hard to say enough about the Young Bucks because they've done so much in their careers. There's not much more to say. I mean, they are tag team wrestling. They are the standard. Number five are the Young Bucks. Love the pick, Kyle. I mean, they're they're tag team wrestling. They're, yep. they're, they're the faces of that style of wrestling today. And they have been for quite some time. All right, Kyle. <clears throat> Number four for me is definitely a mainstream answer you're going to roll your eyes at. Okay. I already know it. They are the least accomplished tag team on my list. They have only been champions once in their entire pairing. Oh, no. But their impact on wrestling, maybe not necessarily tag team wrestling, but wrestling, they were involved in many, many entertaining segments. As single stars, they are both multi-time world champions together they are one of the most entertaining pairings in wwe history kyle it's the og pairing of triple h and Shawn michaels d generation x i mean i don't have a problem with that i think it's just a little high but go on dude i love them i had a dvd as a kid that was just segments of dx and matches but um God, like they they were kind of at the forefront of the Attitude Era. Uh, Shawn Michaels being, you know, the heel champion, Triple H being his immature buddy. Um, <laughs> when HBK stepped away from wrestling due to injuries, Triple H took DX and formed it into more of a faction. Uh, but this this listing is that pairing, Triple H, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got back together in 2006 and had a very, some would say, dragged out feud i said very entertaining feud with the mcmahons um where we got the vince love cock uh vince loves cocks (laughs) t-shirt which is still one of my favorite things in wrestling ever produced and the fact that wwe produced it makes me laugh um we got the i just kick stan segment remember that Mm -hmm. uh we also got (laughs) One of my favorite things is when they feuded with the Spirit Squad in 2006, which was a thing, by the way, um, <laughs> they they beat up the Spirit Squad, shoved them in a shipping container, 
and slapped a tag on it that says ship to OVW. And that was actually Spirit Squad's way of getting written off TV because they weren't getting over with the crowd. Yeah, that was So funny. they literally went back to developmental, and that's how WWE did it. They had Triple H and Shawn Michaels <laughs> shove them in a crate, lock it, and slap yes. one that says, send to Louisville, Kentucky, OVW. This just It's one of those things that's like, dude, I had to put DX on my list. They were so entertaining. They were only one-time champions, and that happened in 2009. That's crazy. End of their run, which is hard to believe when I was looking this up. Uh, but DX, uh, hands down, number four. I, I knew DX was going to be on your list. I just wasn't sure when. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I like DX um, probably around 35, 40 for me. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't argue about their uh, their impact in wrestling and um they're they're really one of the most over things in wrestling i mean yeah you can't uh can't deny it so Dylan, my number four just like the north this team is a major throwback to the good old days of professional wrestling one-upping their opponents means more to them than putting on a show and that has stuck to me to this day absolutely love these two guys cash wheeler dax harwood ftr or the revival are my number four tag team of all time. Love it. WWE Tag Team of the Year in 2016 and Tag Team of the Year in 2020, becoming becoming the first WWE Tag Team Triple Crown Champions. Like their cat, their catchphrase in NXT, no flips, just fits. Mm-hmm. Fit them. That's what they were. They really caught steam uh, when they got to NXT, having bangers with the American Alpha in the match of the year in 2016 against DIY. I just like when teams are different. You know, that's why I love Rosemary and Alley. I, d- I just like when you stick out. Um, and that's what they are. They have a really rugged feel about them, and they don't, they don't care about wowing people, Dylan. They care about winning and getting money. They're an amazing top tag team today, and honestly, they're a top tag team in the history of our sport. Number four is FTR. Love the pick. I credit FTR or the Revival, um, no pun intended, for reviving tag team wrestling for me Mm -hmm. anyway. Um, Because there was a long stretch, especially in WWE, where tag team wrestling, uh, for lack of a better term, sucked. Yep. And they were... And I did not look forward to tag matches because they were either teams that just didn't click with me or they were just random pairings on a raw or a smackdown that were one-offs like that was tag team wrestling uh because the titles weren't taken seriously and things like that and when i tuned into nxt and i saw the revival and what they were doing with american alpha and diy like that really hooked me back into tag team wrestling and i was able to dive deeper and see teams like the young bucks and and, and, yep. and all these other teams that are, that are killing it nowadays, and I credit the Revival for that. They didn't make my list, but I love the pick. They're definitely my style of wrestling, very stiff, very hard shots. Wow. Not a lot of flips, like you said. No flips, just fists. Absolutely love the pick. I can't believe they didn't make your list. They didn't. They didn't make my list, and I guess it was just like the impact that these other teams had on me for a longer amount of time. But, bro, you put the New Age out, was it? Ahead of Dude, hey, there's something about Road Dog and, and Billy Gunn that just gets me going. Dude, you put the ass man instead of Cash Wheeler and Dark Harwood? Yes, I did. 
All right, go, go ahead with uh, number three. <laughs> number three, Kyle. I can't believe you put um, Billy fucking gun. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> number three, Kyle, is a team that only paired in WWE. Where oh, eight. Seven. What? Hey, Dylan, before you get into it. Uh-huh. So, I don't want to put a spoiler to Dylan's number three, um, but I have a rumor that it could be Santino Marit. Santino Morella in Vladimir Goes Love. Just a rumor, but go ahead. Well, now there's no point in doing my intro. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number three is a team that only paired in WWE, where they became seven-time tag team champions. WWE would like to regard them as their most accomplished tag team, although that is kind of debatable. Um, Kyle, my number three is for the benefit of those with flash photography. Oh, God. It is Edge and Christian, dude. Now, something that always stuck out with me when it comes to Edge and Christian were, I mean, the matches were great. The TLC matches I mentioned with the Dudley boys um, and the Hardys, um, they implemented chairs. Like, they they were the ones that brought the chairs in the TLC. Mm -hmm. They brought the C in TLC. The Dudleys brought tables. The Hardys brought ladders. And those were very entertaining. They utilized weapons very well in a very mainstream product like WWE. They became stars. They were they were nobodies, really. And they kind of forced WWE's hand in, hey, we're 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 stars and you have to promote us as such. Uh there was a segment that they did backstage once where Christian was blowing through a kazoo. And Edge is like, you think you know me. You think you know me. You think you know me. Like, Christian was just playing the theme song on a kazoo, which was the dumbest thing I've ever seen, but it makes me laugh. And makes me laugh to this day as a 24-year-old. Um, Edge and Christian's impact on at least WWE tag team wrestling is is legendary. Edge has gone on to become Edge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have to dive into his accomplishments, Hall of Famer, World Champion, whatever. Christian, in his own right, has become a world champion, and now he's doing some good things in AEW. Um, Edge and Christian are my number three. Not surprising at all. I actually thought they were going to be number two on your list. Nope. You're going to love my number two. But, okay, I'm going to go ahead with my number three. So, Dylan, this is is actually going to shock you, because I don't know if you think I have this team at number one, but... So my number three, Dylan, is a team that has been around the big promotions since the early 90s and have revolutionized tag team wrestling for what it is today. Dylan, my number three are the Hardy Boys. They have around, uh, I I was trying to look and see how many like title reigns they have like all together. It's at around 19. I'm not sure if that's right or not, but it might include singles. I'm not sure, but it's, it's around 19. But everyone remembers them for their extreme moments against the Dudleys, Christian and Edge. Jeff jumping off ladders brings back so many memories to me. And just putting them on the list just makes me think, God, times were so much better when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Just in wrestling, but just in life in general. Um, you know, this was, you know, their work in the ladder match, like I said, it was just, it's unmatchable. Um, their feuds against Eminem, Dylan, were very, very good. And in TNA, they had the final deletion. You know how much I love Rosemary. It's not surprising. Um, really got people buzzing. I really liked their independent work. Like after WWE, they went on independence for a little bit. 
But their early WWE days will go down as all-time great. Number three, the Hardy Boys. Love the pick, Kyle. And hearing you put them at number three definitely flooded a bunch of memories to my head of Jeff on top of the ladder doing the finger guns, Matt yeah, doing whatever he's doing. Jeff was always the more extreme one. He was yeah. definitely more the daredevil. Um, but Matt's a very underrated worker, and it's something that should be talked about. Um, All right, Dylan. Right, Number two. <laughs> Number two, Kyle. You're going to love this pick. Okay. I know you will. Um, across major promotions, they are 12-time tag team champions. However, they have won many other titles on various independent promotions. I first was introduced to this team in, like, 2010 watching TNA. They went by a much different name back then. They were known as Generation Me. Do you know who I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about. Go on. Number two is the Young Bucks, Kyle. Wow, yeah, them ahead of I of me. I had them so fucking high, bro. You hit the nail on the head when you talked about the Young Bucks earlier. They are tag team wrestling. And there's there's something about the chemistry that brothers share that friends or, or, or pairings don't. Um, as, as great as all these tag teams are that we've talked about, they're brothers, Kyle. They, they know each other better than anyone else can know each other. Um, they know where the other's going to be like, they, they are the faces of tag team wrestling. I said that during your spiel, uh, they spent a lot of time in new Japan where they won eight titles under their umbrella. Uh, they are the current AEW tag team champions. They've also won tag titles in ring of honor and plus many said uh they're what 37 yeah i'm tag champions total 36 37 yep across every promotion they've wrestled for the major ones they're 12-time champions or at least the major ones that they've been known for um it's hard to discredit what the young bucks do like they they put on banger after banger week after week um and they they elevate the tag division in whatever company they decide to be a part of it, they make it 10 times better. So the Young Bucks are number two. I mean, the Young Bucks are great. How can you argue that? Um, yep. So my number two, Dylan, these two got to this company in 2008 and made waves as soon as they debuted with, you know, their unique gimmick. They just wanted to be bad guys, and it worked because they were a top heel tag team in wrestling history. The Deuce and Domino? It is. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was Dylan. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. I mentioned them. They were in the in the discussion. I'm gonna be honest. I love them. Hmm. But my number oh, two, Dylan, is beer money. Ooh, these two drank beer, got their paycheck, and didn't give a damn. Mm-hmm. Um, the Baltimore Suns Tag Team of the Year in 2009, Tag Team Champions for what 514 days, something crazy yep. like that um one thing you didn't mention dylan uh they started the off of the wagon challenge so if a team wanted <laughs> to challenge for the titles they could but if one of their opponents got pinned or submitted they were fired from tna and it was so good one example um eric young and pd williams challenge and pd williams lost so he had to go away for a little bit but uh i mean it, it's beer money everything that you said they're so good as a tag. One of the most underrated tag teams of all time and one of the best, honestly. 
Um, Bobby Roode was is just on another level, man. Oh God, he's good. Um, they were in TNA and wrestling in New Japan, and you know, I think till 2011 ish. Uh, the matches with LAX, the British Invasion, Motor City Machine Guns, or All Timers. The team just never gets enough credit. Uh, but in the era where they were the standard, and I, I just love their attitude of becoming rich, and they don't care what people think. Love them. Beer money is my number two. Love the pick, Kyle. Love the pick. I'm a little shocked beer money is that high on your list, though. Mm, love them. You had them higher than me, and when I had them at six, I was like, there's no way Kyle has beer money on his list at all. Yeah, because I too. thought, like, I had a like them but that's i like that pick <sighs> all right kyle my number one we're not gonna have the same number one well no we're not i know we're not uh my number one kyle is a very accomplished team together mm-hmm. where they are 12 time champions across major promotions i'm sure they've won a couple other tag titles and smaller promotions they actually helped um they founded a promotion if I'm not mistaken, but I'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, they've won nine titles under WWE's umbrella, two mm-hmm. under TNA's watch, and they're even a former Ring of Honor tag team t- uh, title holders, most known for their run in WWE and TNA. Kyle, my number one, it's the Hardys. Shocker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if anyone knows me, this doesn't come as a shock to anybody. Um. Their, their feuds with Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, uh, during the Attitude Era. Um, more recently, their feud with Eminem, like you said, was very entertaining. Um, they put on some good matches with Caden Murdoch, by the way, mm-hmm. during that era. Something I want to talk about. Um, multi-time world cha- or, uh, tag champions, like I said. Uh, they went on to TNA, won tag gold there. They feuded together in WWE and TNA multiple times. Uh, Jeff is the more accomplished single star, uh, winning more world titles. Matt is a former TNA world champion. Um, Matt is now doing good things in AEW right now. Jeff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's Jeff. Yep. <laughs> Jeff is Jeff right now, but does have probably the best theme song in wrestling right now. So can't mm, talk the guy too much. Disagree, but go on. Well, that's right. Cause edge does. No, I disagree. But going, we'll, we'll get to that at a later date. Um, but the Hardys, they're, they're very accomplished. What I said about the Young Bucks, about brothers having chemistry together, the Hardys also fit that mold. I believe they helped uh, form Omega Wrestling, mm-hmm. which is a small promotion in North Carolina where they're from. I believe they're founders of it, if I'm not mistaken, where they've won tag gold there and world titles and things like that. Uh, but the Hardy Boys. Are number one. You already said so much about them, so there's not really much I can add. But the Hardy Boys are number one. I think including the smaller promotions, they're 19 time. Yep. Um. So yeah, I mean, the Hardys are worth the stable tag team wrestling, especially yep. extreme tag team wrestling. Exactly. Before you move on, for those who don't know, Kyle and I watched WrestleMania 33 together, and they got the loudest pop out of us. We turned oh, into dude. little kids when they popped up on our TV screen. I mean, just all the emotions yeah. that hit us, like, back when you and I were in sixth grade, man, it, it, mm-hmm. it was great. It was great. Yep. Um, so, Nye, my number one, Dylan, um, one of the kings of flippy shit, 
and have impressed with their high-risk style all over the world. My number one, Ray Phoenix, Pentacon Jr., the Lucha Bros, are my number one favorite tag team of all time. Ray Phoenix, to me, is the best luchador in the wrestling history. I know that's controversial, Rey Mysterio, but Ray Phoenix, to me, is just the best. And the character work at Pentagon just mesh so well. It's just hard to compare to them. They dominated the AAA scene in Mexico and showed up in the United States all over, um, you know, showing their style. Their finisher was the package pile driver with a double stomp. It's so nasty. But their ring work, it just makes me speechless. It really does. Ray Phoenix walks around the ring on top of the ropes. He is insane. Pentagon breaking arms with his arm bar. They, they are the just the best combination. Um, they had matches with now MSK and PWG that were amazing. They also had matches with FTR, LAX. And the team of Myron Reed and A.R. Fox, all of those matches were incredible. Um, their styles and character work are so unique. It's just what I look for in a tag team. They had to be my number one. Maybe a shocker. I just love these two. It fits me. My number one is uh, the Lucha Bros are my number one. Love it. Lucha Libre wrestling is very entertaining. And these two paired together was very fun. Um, I, they're obviously not on my list. Um, if I had to rank them, they'd probably be around like 15, 16, if I'm being honest. Like, okay. They're, so they're, they're in the discussion. Yeah. They're, they're a team that I really like. Um, and yeah, you, you, you said all the right things. They're very entertaining as a team and very, um, I don't know if difference the right word because I mean, they do a lot of things that a lot of, but they still They're try very to keep unique. it unique. Yeah. Yep. They still try to keep it unique despite the fact that they do um, a style of wrestling that's, you know, been around for, for generations and Yeah. Yeah. They, but 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 they still keep it unique and very entertaining. And I, I love the pick. I love the team. So those are the list, Dylan. Uh, I think we both did a very good job. Mm-hmm. Um my list was just so me and yep. it was crazy. And the list was so you put the New Age Outlaws instead of FTR. I mean, I, I, I don't know, but, um, <laughs> but I, I'm just I love these lists, Dylan. I really do. Um, really fun. And spoiler alert, um, Dylan. The next one that we do is going to be after SummerSlam, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next list will be the stables in the factions. Yes. So um, you have that to look forward to in a couple weeks. Super stoked for that. I love this episode. Um, I really did. But, uh, Dylan, would you like to go into your Dummy Yeah moment of the week? Yeah, Kyle. So, uh, my Dummy Yeah moment of the week, or my Dummy of the week, because uh, it goes to one specific person and one specific person only, and it's the one and only Vince McMahon. Yep. And it's not for the Bray Wyatt release. It's not for some of the questionable decisions that we know he's at the forefront of. It is for a very specific comment that he made during it i think the second quarter conference call or some business conference call that wwe had recently this quote leaked out vince mcmahon does not view AEW anywhere near close to the competition that wcw once won huh. was he continues to downplay AEW despite the possible signings of names like punk brian tessa blanchard also on their radar 
there's been rumored of conversations with Brock Lesnar, although nothing's really flourished from that. Um, and you, we would assume Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt's going to be at the forefront of their conversations once those non-compete clause um, finish. <sighs> I get that AEW is not drawing the numbers that WCW once was, but that's not really a knock on AEW. That's more of a knock on wrestling in general. The Attitude Era, you were either watching like professional football or wrestling in America. Like that was it. Um, and some could argue that wrestling at one point was more popular than some of the other American sports like football, racing, baseball, basketball, things like that. Um, let me <laughs> let me let me throw some numbers at you, Kyle, real quick. So mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier in the show about possibly going to sit in cheap seats of Rampage. Yeah. And it's not because those are just the cheapest seats. Because if I could if I could afford bigger seats, I would. The reason why, Kyle, we would have to sit there is because nothing else is available. Yep. The tickets didn't even go on sale to the general public until this morning. And I believe they don't even go on sale until 10 o'clock. So all of their sales have been pre-sale tickets where you have to get a promotion code and things like that. They've sold over 12,000 tickets before they even went on to the general public. And Vince doesn't view them as competition. <laughs> Let that sink in. This, this company is selling out arenas across the country before they're actually on sale. Yep. Like, that's how, like, that's the the attention that this company is garnering. Yep. And they're they're bringing in Daniel Bryan, which WWE is very upset about. They're bringing in CM Punk who with that signing or potential signing have sent WWE TV partners in a tailspin because they are furious that WWE had zero interest in even talking to CM Punk. Like, forget, like, trying to sign them. They weren't even interested in a conversation, calling them up saying, hey, you down? Like, we have a different roster now. Like, we could do this with you, do this with you. They had zero interest in conversations with them, which has sent either Fox or USA in a frenzy. Like, they're pissed off. They should be. Vince doesn't view AEW as, as competition like he did WCW because he says AEW is not out here trying to take our assets from us. Yes, the fuck. They're taking. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're taking CM Punk. They're taking. Uh, uh, everyone's assuming Braun Strowman's on his way to AEW to be the next big man over there. Like, they are taking your assets. You're, but also, they're not actually trying to steal them. You're just letting them go. Because yep. you're an idiot. Like, mm-hmm. Vince McMahon deserves to be the dummy of the week because. Dude, I really don't. And I'm so I mean, looking forward to the three-hour rant I'm going to have next week. I mean, you hit it on the head. I mean, the, the company, the WWE main roster, Dylan, arguably is the worst brand in wrestling right now. Mm-hmm. And they deserve it. They really do. Um, you have the joke of a champion in the women's division. You have all of these top SummerSlam matches, Dylan, in I know you love Edge. I love Edge. But there's there's no long-term value to anything that they do. There's not. There, there's just not. 
Um, you know, the roster decisions have been bad. And the, the company, Dylan, is the worst it's been in a very long time. Yeah. And with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan leaving, and especially if they get, like, Tessa Blanchard. Mm-hmm. Dude, the thing is, NXT may not even be able to compete with them, like, even ratings-wise, even close because of all the stars that they have. Now, the better product is going to be NXT because mm-hmm. that's not a shocker. But everyone's just going to want to watch AEW that, you know, it puts a bad light on NXT because of how bad the main roster mm-hmm. is. Um, I mean, Vince is just out of his mind right now. And I think... You know, we're we're gonna get into next week how we fix this. I actually have already started, but yep. um, oh man. Um, so my dummy yeah moment of the week that one goes to the death match. It used to be something that was so unique in wrestling. It was just such a breath a breath of fresh air. Um, I think the mainstream names like Cardona and Jericho experiencing the death match, it'll give it hype. Like, the match mm-hmm. five will give it height. But right now, it's just very watered down. Um, every match is just becoming the same. It just shows why the old days of extreme wrestling were the golden age. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it's just not what it used to be. Uh, GCW does very good ones. But I just I like the old days of the death match better. So my dummy out of the week goes to the death match. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of talked about it briefly when we did the Dynamite Breakdown, that when when all these mainstream promotions are starting to do, it's going to become watered down. Because the thing that these smaller promotions like CZW back in the day, GCW now, or even way back in the day like ECW, they didn't have like all these different eyes, corporate eyes, watching. And yep. what I mean by that is they didn't have these massive TV networks with billion-dollar TV deals that they needed to satisfy and, and you know, sponsorships that are going to get pissed off. Like, one of my news stories was Domino's had to come out and was like, well, we weren't a part of that, we promise. Mm-hmm. It's like those things, like, don't happen on these smaller promotions. They didn't happen way back in the day when extreme wrestling was really taking off. So, Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you, and that's why I said that I love the deathmatch. I love the extreme wrestling. It's not for everyone, and I understand that, but that's the issue you're going to run into by putting it on TNT and, and mm-hmm. you know, major TV networks is a more mainstream audience is going to watch it, and it's going to be more divisive because not every wrestling fan is into deathmatches. That's why CZW didn't get a massive tv deal that's why gcw doesn't have a massive tv deal like yep it's because that's their style of wrestling there's promotions in japan that do it that you don't see promoted and that's why because it's not meant for everyone it's it's a very small niche of wrestling fan and obviously you and i are a part of that but not everyone else is and i understand that but doing it on mainstream tv it's gonna water it down that's that's the risk you run with it I think you're exactly right. Um, so, Dylan, you've hinted at it before, um, but would you like to go more in-depth of what we're doing next week and get us out of here? So, next week, Kyle, we are starting – I guess we can call it a new series, although we haven't really discussed how many more promotions we're going to do. It's going to be a mini-series. Um, so, it's going to be probably a mini-series, not like the Mount Rushmore one. 
um, where that took up a lot of time. But we are going to do a how to fix mini series, and the very first one on the docket is WWE's main roster. I'm not lumping NXT into no. WWE because even though it is a WWE product, they're fine, and there's yeah. not much that we want to change. We may mention a few little things, but we're we're okay with what NXT is doing, and they can stay. So we're going to focus on Raw and SmackDown primarily. What we'll fix about it as far as, you know, from the little things like presentation to the bigger things like storylines, who's in charge, things like that, champions and whatnot. Um, so it's going to be a very big in-depth conversation on how we would fix the main roster. Um, as well as all the other stuff that you guys become accustomed to, news stories, hot takes, dummy moments, things like that. Um but yeah, that's next week's show. It's going to be fully loaded. It's going to be fully loaded. I'm very excited about it. Um, just because they need help right now because the product just isn't good. Um, this is going to be a very organized episode like the back. I mean, it just seems like three months ago. It just seems like yesterday we did the episode, the WWE 2K22 episode. Yep. It's going to be structured like that. It's crazy that it's been three months since we did it. But um I'm very looking forward to it. Thanks for everyone tuning in to this point. We're over an hour and a half in. Um, I hope everyone has a great Sunday. Make sure you watch the Olympics because they're awesome right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're on the road to SummerSlam. Yay.